This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our Awesome of the Week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. This is a very special, supersized edition of Sorta Awesome. Laura is back in the co-host seat, and we are talking all about friendship. In this episode, we're talking about how to make and keep friends as adults. Laura and I share our favorite stories about one another, and then Laura tells how she got through a friendship drought and how exactly she went about making new friends in Los Angeles. Then we talk about how social media affects friendship and how Facebook became the catty, gossipy, invisible friend that somehow finds its way into every conversation. Finally, we take your questions about friendship and reveal some practical strategies to make friendships as an adult more meaningful. All of that coming up in episode 14 of Sorta Awesome. Hi guys, I am so excited about this week's show because we are going to be talking all about friendship. Our Hollywood housewife, Laura, is my co-host for the week, and she also happens to be one of my oldest and dearest friends. We have got a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. And Laura? Yes? (laughs) I hope you're ready for this because you are my Awesome of the Week. Yay! Okay, so let me back up a little bit and say that this week is our birthday week. My birthday is on the 16th and yours is the 19th, the day this show comes out. So everybody right now, just think good, happy birthday thoughts and vibes towards Laura. Go Gemini. Um, Yes, that's what I was going to say. One of the first things that we ever bonded over was being fellow Geminis or Sister Gemini's? Fellow Gemini's? I don't know. (laughs) We are both. Uh, Sisters in crazy. Sisters in crazy. Those crazy twins. Um, So, yes, I think that birthdays are such a great time to tell people how much they mean to you. So I want to tell you once again, 
seriously, um, how much you and our friendship mean to me. Um, Those of you who have listened to the show from the beginning might remember back that in one of the early episodes, Laura and I talked about our friendship kind of got off to a rocky start. We met, (laughs) I guess you could say, well, first of all, you were friends with my sister, Emily. You guys were in the same class, Mm -hmm. Um, but we sort of uh, became aware of each other. You entered into my orbit and I into (laughs) yours because we straight up swapped boyfriends. I know we did. It's so embarrassing all these years later. I know it really kind of is. And also I should note, they weren't just like any regular high school boyfriends. They were like first love boyfriends. Our first love. We swapped first loves, which which kind of meant that we did not think the other one was awesome. Not at the time. Not at no. the time. No, we, no. <laughs> we definitely did not. I'm thinking of like some moments where there was like some definite like palpable tension between us. I was so intimidated by you because um, you're a couple of years older than me, which in high school makes a big difference. And your first love is also a couple of years older than me. So I was intimidated by the whole scenario, plus your luscious lips. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that reminds me. So this past week, <laughs> can't believe I'm telling this story on the air. This past weekend, uh, Kyla and I went down to our hometown for my. Uh, high school's 20, for my high school uh, 20 year reunion. One of the things, people brought all kinds of mementos and, and things from our high school years. People brought yearbooks. That was so much fun to look through. One of the things that one of my classmates brought was the list of our class favorites. Now, I don't know if you remember, and I don't know if your class did this. I don't know if they changed from year to year, but some of the categories on our class favorites were really funny. Like, um, most fun to walk behind and those types of things. One of the categories was sexiest lips, which seems highly inappropriate. But I, in fact, did win the sexiest lips. Megan, nobody even voted for anybody else in that category. Like you won that by a landslide. Oh my goodness. Okay. So anyway, let's get back on track. Um, So we did, we started off rocky, but you know, as is often the case in longtime friendships between women, those boys soon faded in the distance in the rearview mirror. Um, but really, our friendship has gotten so much stronger with time. It really has, even though it's one of those friendships where we kind of have lost track a little bit sometimes in life, particularly because we did go to different universities and I got married um, fairly early. And, you know, our lives just started to take different tracks. But speaking of that time, I wanted to tell a quick story on you. Um, And it's not embarrassing. Don't worry. Oh, no. I know. So nervous. I know. No, it's a good story. So um, this was a couple of years after Kyle and I had gotten married. We moved down to Fort Worth and lived there for several years. So that meant that we were burning up I-35 a lot back and forth from Fort Worth up to see my parents and to see his parents. We uh, had gone, I, this was in the summer. We had gone up, Kyle only had like a week off a year when he was coaching football. And we always were felt like we had to go home during that time. And so we did, we had gone to see his parents. We were driving back down to Fort Worth. We were driving through our hometown, which sits right on the interstate. 
and we needed to stop. So we decided we'd go into this McDonald's that is right on the interstate in our hometown. We had gone in, gotten our orders. In fact, for some completely random reason, decided to actually eat in the McDonald's on the interstate, which we never do. I don't even, I cannot remember what circumstance was happening. That you we were decided, young and in love. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but we had gone in and sat down and we're eating and in walks Laura. And it was just this complete chance meeting because I feel like that's not even a McDonald's that you would usually go to. No, but I'm no stranger to McDonald's. <laughs> I was much more likely to be in a McDonald's on the interstate than you were. That's true. That is so true. So Laura walks in. I could not be more surprised. This Again, this was during the time of life that we had really lost touch with each other. And so I didn't know anything. I knew she had just graduated. I knew you had just graduated from OU. and I, But I didn't know what your plans were. So you sat down with us and started talking. And you know, I was like, so you just graduated. What are you going to do? And you just were like, well, I'm moving to Los Angeles. And I think that my job must have hit the table. I could not have been more surprised. Why do I not seem Los Angeles-y no, to you? Listen, you got to rewind back in time. So. <laughs> I mean, now you totally do. Of course, it makes sense that you are in Los Angeles, of course. But at the time, I mean, you were the first really of our friends to be like, um, I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> Most of our friends went to school in Oklahoma and then kind of, I don't know, stuck around for a while. But you were not going to stick around for a while. You were out. And I just I just had this snapshot in my mind of you and this look on your face. It was partly exhilarated and partly terrified. <laughs> Mostly terrified. <laughs> but I love thinking about that moment because I just, I mean, I felt so proud of you. I admired you so much for just packing up and going. And also, it was a, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit jealous that you were just like, you had the freedom and the courage to just be like, no, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to LA and see what happens. I loved that spirit of adventure from you and that you had the willingness to just try it and see what happened. And as it turned out, I mean, obviously, as time has shown, it was totally the right thing for you to do. Well, what you are calling freedom and courage, which I appreciate, thank you, was could also be interpreted as like total Dumbo head. <laughs> because I moved to Los Angeles without a job, without knowing anybody. I had never been here. Right. I never even visited. I know. So, I mean, it's nice to sort of package it up now and be like... I was a a pioneer making my way. <laughs> but really I was just completely lost and clueless and like, oh. well, let's try this. Well, I'm I mean, it worked. It all I mean, eventually, of course, there was some kinks to work out, but everything fell into place and I don't know, just I love that story. I love that memory of you um and just, you know, watching you grow into the amazing incredible woman that you've become and you've done so much growing up in an environment that is so radically different from the way we grew up when we were kids. I don't know, just, I'm just so proud of you. And so I just wanted to make you awesome of the week. I'm so thankful for our friendship and all that it has meant to us through the years. So I'm getting a little sappy, a little sentimental, but that's what we can do on birthdays. 
Well, thank you for those words. That means a lot to me. I have a quickie story on you. Okay. Um, that is a lot, a lot more recent because uh, after we sort of fell out of touch for a few years, we've been back in touch for, you know, six or seven years at this point. Very, very close. I speak with you every day. But the, you know, and I have so many memories of you from all the way back to when I was 14 years old and you would smuggle me off campus to eat lunch. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good times. But when I really think of you, like the snapshot of Megan friendship that I think of is um, only a, a few years old. We, I had a bunch of friends to my lake house a few years ago, um, a blogging group of friends that we had met on the internet, which, you know, is a whole new frontier, right, of meeting people on the internet because I had all these people come to my house that I, most of them I had never met in person before. (laughs) Oh, taking a big chance. We're taking a big chance. Um, Anyway, so I had a group of women to my house and and you came as well and I was so glad you were there. And (laughs) at night, we shared a bed because we were all sort of bunked up and um, at night, we would get into my bed and I, this story could go really strangely. <laughs> Hang with me. Yeah. It is totally G. Um, totally. <laughs> and I would ask you questions about a lot of things that I just did not understand. <laughs> and I will never forget that you took the time. I mean, it was like one in the morning. We had been, you know, up all day at I'd been hosting friends and things. And you took the time, hours, literally hours in the middle of the night to explain certain theologies to me. There were some faith conversations that were happening in this group that I was like, what is going on? (laughs) You took all this time to explain like, this is what um, this kind of Christianity believes. And this is what this kind of Christianity believes. And because my faith journey is really different from almost everyone else in the room, I was so grateful that you took the time to explain some of these to me so patiently. And you didn't think like, you know, you didn't say to me, Laura, there's a little thing called Google. (laughs) No, I would never do that. You really like, you really explained (laughs) it to me. And I felt a lot like, I know you don't watch the show Veep, but, um, the vice president in that show, it's one of my favorites. She has like what's called a bag man, which is her assistant who sort of follows around behind her. And as she's like approaching someone that she needs to greet, he sort of like whispers in her ear who that person okay, is and right. like what their story is. <laughs> and then she walks up to them, you know, and she's like, and hello, you know, and she presents herself like she's known all along what was going on. Yes. Right. Right. And I felt like in that in that retreat weekend that you were sort of uh, my bag man in a way, like you were constantly <laughs> behind me being like this this is what you need to know here. And then I could just present myself like, oh, yes, I'm very well read on this subject. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad. I actually am so glad that all of the years that I have spent reading and, and, and researching all different kinds of theology finally paid off for somebody. <laughs> it, was, it was the definition of friendship to me that you did not make me feel stupid. Aww, you yeah. were very patient with everything that I said. And then, and then most importantly, you didn't blow my cover. Never, never. I I can say that I am pretty good about putting things in the vault and just like, just between us. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> love my it, favorite. Love it, love it. Okay. So that was your awesome of the week then? That, oh, you. You were my awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> you happy birthday, Gemini. You were my awesome. And happy birthday to you. We June bugs. We got to stick together for sure. 
Okay. So um, really, truly, one of the things that can bring so much awesome into life are solid friendships, life-giving friendships, whether they are friendships that go back to childhood like Laura and I, or brand new friendships. They are so important to us, particularly as women. The flip side of that is not being able to connect with people to build those strong friendships. Can Sometimes it really can feel like it's just sucking the awesome right out of your life. And that is why we are devoting this whole entire episode to all things friendship, the good stuff, the hard stuff, um, friendships that are online friendships, and of course, our offline friendships. Basically, everything you need to know about friendship in the modern era, we are going to cover on the show today. So Laura and I were talking about the show, and we thought maybe we should give a little tiny brief history of friendship for each of us. So I'm going to go first and just say that friendship for me began, first of all, with my next youngest sister. I have three younger siblings, two sisters and a brother. My next youngest sister is 14 months younger than me. She's my lifelong best friend, has been there literally as long as I have memory. So I've always had that sort of built-in best friendship component that has been the overarching theme over lots of different friendships in life. However, my family did move around a lot when I was a kid. The longest I really ever lived anywhere was four years. And so I became really used to being the new, new girl in class. And along the way, I learned how to make friends really quickly. And it's easy when you're a kid and you're in school because you've got so much in common with the people that are in your class that you sit next to for several hours a day. It's not quite as hard as when you are a grown-up to make new friends. Well, as it turns out, I married a man who began his career as a college football coach, and that meant we were moving around every few years. And so I really had to dig deep into those um, make new friends quickly, be the new girl and make new friends quickly skills that I had learned as a kid, which was mostly fine until um, Daisy was born and I became a stay-at-home mom. And for the first time, I didn't really have a work environment or any kind of built-in community for making friends. Thankfully, at this time, we had just moved to a little town that I adore in, uh, in Central Texas called San Marcos. And um, thankfully, I was at randomly at an event for church women. It was not necessarily for women in our age group, but um, there was some women who are my age who are also new-ish moms. They saw me just kind of floundering. And I'll tell you what, Laura, they just completely swooped in and took me under their wings. They invited me to join this um, friend group that they had already kind of been putting together. And it saved my life. It was so What a wonderful. lesson that is. It Such a lesson. Really to is. do that To do that for others also. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has made me so sensitive to when you do see another woman who's really clearly struggling and, and having a hard time connecting. Now, I did have almost an opposite situation happen in the next town we moved in. After Kyle left coaching, we moved back to Oklahoma. He was starting um, a career in, in investment advising. We moved to this tiny little town in Oklahoma where we didn't know a soul. And while everyone there was really friendly, nobody was just super invested in making new friends or forming new friendships. As is often the case in small towns, a lot of those people who would be my age, um, they'd grown up there. They had friends that they're the, they had been friends with since kindergarten. They had their sisters and cousins and other relatives living right there in town. 
And in a lot of ways, for a long time, I really felt like the odd woman out in that community. Now, eventually, I did make friends with some other women who kind of had married into the community, married longstanding, uh, well-known families in the community. And that helped so much because they were also looking for friends and made a huge difference in my life. But I definitely had experienced some really dark, really lonely years of not being able to connect with new friends. A few years later, we moved to Oklahoma City. Things were so much better. I was able to reconnect with some friends that I have known since seventh grade. And things have been, for whatever reason, so much easier here in the city to to make friends and really develop those new friendships. So that's kind of a brief history for me. And I just wanted to kind of talk about two because we're going to be talking about throughout the show all different dynamics and aspects of friendship. Let me just give you a rundown on the current state of friendship for me. Again, like I said, my next youngest sister Emily and I are super close. Um, my friend Catherine, who lives here in Oklahoma City that I've known since middle school, uh, she and I talk daily. Um, you, again, longtime friend, somebody who we speak daily, we are totally enmeshed in each other's lives. And then I have a group of friends who I feel weird and, and awkward saying this, but they're kind of online friends, except that they I've known them so long and we have developed such depth of friendship over time. I don't I don't call them that my online friends anymore. They are definitely real friends who mean so much to me. But since they don't live right here in this community, we keep in touch, um, I guess you could say virtually, through Voxer, through Facebook, through texting. Um, would love to see them in person more often, but mostly have to keep up in touch, uh, keep in touch with, with them in ways that are not face to face. So that's where I am with friendship right now. Now, your, okay. your history is, is pretty different from mine, especially when it comes to childhood, I think. My friendship history is different than yours. I, I think the, the sibling element is so huge. Um, I have siblings, but they're a lot older than me. They're, I have a sister who's nine years older and a brother who's seven years older. So by the time I was elementary school age, they were kind of one foot out the door to college. So um, I, I didn't have that in my household, like a built-in friend. However, I grew up in a small town, so I went to school with the same people from third grade until high school graduation. So I've had childhood friends, I mean, whether you like it or not, when you're in a small town. I just had um, all these people I knew who knew almost everything about my life for a really long time. Then I went to college and pledged a sorority. Um and had built-in friends there also. So I sort of came from two different communities where the the friendship was easy and available at all times. And then I moved to Los Angeles and was in for a very rude awakening. Um, women do friendship really different here. And also I had to make an effort. You know, it was my first lesson in that that friendship will not come to you. As an adult, you really have to like make it happen. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, so, so both the factors that I could not work within Los Angeles women rules, like I was like, I don't know how they do it here. (laughs) (laughs) And also it had been so long since I had ever had to, you know, kind of put myself out there. Um, it was really hard for me to make friends in Los Angeles and, and I worked a lot. So then I had, 
acquaintances at work who who became kind of friends, but not the deep kind of friendships that I was used to. And then um, when I got married and wasn't working in production any longer, I was very, very lonely. I had a few years where I did not have um, good friends at all. And then... Um, or, or locally good friends. I had all this time stayed in touch with my childhood friends and my college friends and my summer camp friends. I have um, from uh, years of summer camp that I went to as a child. And so I had always kept in touch with them, but I did not have friends in Los Angeles for a very long time. Thankfully, now I have a lot of really rich friendships in my life that was fulfilling um, after the years of friendship drought, if you will. <laughs> I have, I'm still, again, friends with my childhood friends, several of them. We talk very regularly and thank you technology for that. We text yes. social media and Voxer and, um, that is huge for me because living in a big city like this where you can be really anonymous, it's so good to touch base on the regular with someone who has known me since I was a child. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. I, I hadn't thought about that because, again, Oklahoma City is more, in a lot of ways, it's more like a huge small town. Um, but definitely I have lived in places where it's very easy to just kind of go into stealth mode. So, yes, I relate to that 100%. Yeah, it's good. And, I, I mean, I have friends who have been with me through so many phases of my life that um, – I could not give the backstory to a new, a new friend would just have to be a new friend, which, and I love making new friends, but like the friends that know all of your backstory are so invaluable. Yes, totally, totally. Yes, they are. Now I also have, um, friends that I have made online that live online. They live in my computer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Um, and I talk to them every day. I do try and see uh, online friends, you know, once a year or at conferences or, you know, we just make the effort. I've flown to their homes or they've flown to mine. Um, but the majority of our friendship lives virtually, like you said, and being someone who's at home all day, that feeds a whole different, you know, uh, part of my soul that I sort of can talk to anybody at any time. Yeah, definitely. In the day. Definitely. It makes a huge difference. So you talked about your lonely years after you left, after you left um, production, but before your first child was born, what has happened since those lonely years that have changed friendships right there in LA for you? Uh, Two big things happened that totally changed my friendship life as an adult. The first is I started a book club. Okay. The second is I started a blog. Yes. (laughs) So um, I was really lonely and had tried, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying. I had tried all kinds of different ways to make friends and do coffee dates and girls nights out. And I um, would try to gather groups together to kind of make something happen. I, um, I had tried all the tricks in my book and just nothing really gelled and nothing really connected with me um, for all kinds of different reasons, Um, not the least of which is that Los Angeles is so physically large that if you make friends with somebody who lives 
in a different part of town, like in a faraway part of town, then it's, it's like borderline impossible to keep that friendship up with any regularity. Um, so then you're limited, not limited, what's the word, but you know, you're limited to, um, the people who live within your neighborhood. And that is even harder to try and, you know, make new friends like that. So, so I started a book club, um, with some friends that were at, um, my birthday dinner that year. One was a woman who had just moved here from New York to work with my husband. And she, she came to my birthday dinner. I did not know her very well. And another one had been a former roommate of mine that was my good friend. But like I said, she lived in a different part of town. So she was, but she was at my birthday dinner and we all got to chatting about what books we were reading and whatever. And the idea came to have a book club. And I started it, but I also sort of thought, oh, this is going to be like some of these other things I've tried. Like, it's not going to work. But what ended up happening was we started meeting once a month. There was just five of us for most of the time. It's very small. And we met for six years once a month. That is amazing for a book club. I can't, I don't know that I've heard of very many that last that long. It was so important. You know, I think it was one of those things that that just worked and you can't really necessarily even explain the chemistry of it because like I said, I'd tried these other things that hadn't. This one I think was, um, was with other women who I wouldn't have predicted necessarily that I would have become good friends with. We were all different background, races, religions, uh, marital status. Like we were all in really different places in our lives, which I, you know, is sometimes harder to make that go deep. The consistency of meeting once a month is yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. Consistency is huge. And, um, you know, we just, it became a level of trust that became really, really important to me. And then over time, you know, as time goes on, it becomes even more important. We had weddings to attend of each other's and babies were born and um, all these different things. And it became this really special time for all of us. But I can't even necessarily speak to how you recreate something like that because I think it takes several trial and errors uh, maybe before you find your people and you don't always know, you know, who your people are going to be. It might be who you least likely expect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this was a work colleague of my husband's. Right. You know. I think sometimes we're too quick to prejudge and think, you know, like you said, different marital status, different, um, background for whatever reason, sometimes we don't even put forth the effort because we prejudge and think, oh, we don't, we don't have enough in common. We wouldn't click. I think that's a huge part of making friends as an adult is to just be so open-minded. You'll know after a few get togethers, if there's chemistry there, if you are clicking, or if you really just do not have enough in common to keep up a conversation, which sometimes it happens. You got to kiss a lot of frogs. It's kind of like dating. Um, you, you have to try over and over. That was what was hard for me. I'm an introvert. It it was hard for me to keep putting myself out there, especially after the first few things I tried didn't work. Um, it was really hard for me to be like, okay, now I'm going to try again. And you know, the person's not interested or I'm going to try again. And this group didn't go that great or, you know, so I finally found one after several times that unexpectedly actually worked. Um, the other thing is I started a blog and almost more than anything else in my whole adult life has changed my whole path. Wow. I tell, 
I tell everybody to start a blog. Now, I want to be a writer and I like the creativity of it. And, and that's a whole different section of this. But because on the internet, you can find your people. They're just um, one click away. And I was on Twitter. This was six years ago. So Twitter was a, a little bit less noisy than it is now. So I've met two, three, at least three good friends in Los Angeles. I met them on Twitter. That's amazing. You know, I'm a little Isn't bit allergic. That crazy? I'm a little allergic to Twitter. So I have not had that life-changing experience with it. But um, like you said, this was a while ago. And I, I but you could, there's still friends to be found on Twitter. There is. I know you're I'm, giving me a skeptical look, but I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it happened with um, a few of them. One, uh, so I have a category, and you can do you can do lists in Twitter. So I had a list of local people that I followed. That's so uh, smart. Yes, yes. And so not not for this strategic purpose. I did not know this purpose was going to come out, but just because I that's how I, my brain works. So I had a list of local people that I followed. And um, one of them, we had tweeted back and forth quite a bit for a long time, six months or something. And I knew she had a daughter the same age as my daughter. And she actually is the one who reached out and just said over private message or something, she just said, well, hey, would you like to meet at the park with the kids? Um, And our girls were little, like 18 months or something. And so I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. I would. And I knew enough about her to sort of know she wasn't going to murder me. <laughs> you think it's about murder a lot, murder. don't you, <laughs> If that was our drinking game, it would be like, every time Laura says murder, drink. <laughs> okay. So, so I met, I met her at the park and we became fast friends and so did our girls. And that's a friendship that endures to this day, very close. And then another woman, I was uh, tweeting about something that was helicopters and stuff in our neighborhood. We were having a paparazzi moment, very Los Angeles. Yes. And um, so somebody who followed her and followed me tweeted at both of us and said, are you guys standing like in the exact same spot? Because you're tweeting the same thing. And so she and I were like, huh. So we started following each other. It turns out we lived like a stone's throw away from one another. So we were in the exact same neighborhood and she is a stylist and also had a blog. And so we became friends that way. And then, you know, another one came to a blog event I hosted. Like there are friends to be made on the internet completely from scratch without a mutual friend, without, you know, just sharing the same interests. They're out there. And the difference between my friends I met on Twitter in Los Angeles and my book club friends in Los Angeles is book club is sort of more the natural way that one makes friends. You, you know, we would sit and talk and had a regular time together. Yeah, more traditional. Very traditional. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you can't really explain why those work or don't. And then, but my Twitter friends, we met through, we met on Twitter, but I think what we shared there was a passion for blogging. We were all bloggers. That's why we were tweeting to each other. So like whatever anybody's passion is, you can find a group online, a Facebook group or Twitter hashtag or whatever. If your passion is a certain TV show or horses or a sport or whatever it is. Yeah. Horses. You know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but okay. Yes. (laughs) 
because you're not really a horse girl. No, I'm not a horse girl. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. But maybe we funny. have horse listeners. Maybe we do. But really, whatever whatever your thing is, you can find your people online for totally. sure. Yes, yes, yes. So I can see how both of those things made a really huge um, impact on on the friendships that you had right there in Los Angeles. I love that it's actually, it's a story of both both paths to friendship, the traditional one, and then sort of like the new way that we make friends in the culture that we live in now. So those are some great examples. Um, I'm so glad that you mentioned about being able to find friend groups online um, based on what your interest is, because another thing that I think has really changed friendship is the advent of the Facebook group. Not just Facebook to connect with your friends from elementary school or your cousin that you have only seen twice in the past 20 years, but the actual uh, forum or medium or whatever you want to call it of groups on Facebook. You and I are part of one that we actually had the idea to start to talk about blogging. We started it after a blogging conference, and that was supposed to be what we were there to talk about, but it very quickly (laughs) <laughs> went off the rails and turned it. We into, talked about blogging for 0.3 seconds. Yes, essentially, yes. Um, and we've had this group for three years, um, over three years now. And it is very rare now that a blogging question comes up. At the time, all of us, and there are 20 women in that group, all of us were actively blogging, trying to grow our platforms and those types of things. Um, several of us have dropped out of blogging along the way for various reasons, but our friendship that very quickly developed in the context of a Facebook group um, has only gotten stronger through the years. And I just think it's so interesting. And I'm in, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups. I'm not going to, (laughs) got to confess, I have a Facebook group problem (laughs) because I love it because you can be in these groups that are singularly sometimes like laser focused on a specific topic or a specific philosophy. And you can, I mean, it's open to anybody. You can hang out there and it's amazing what kinds of friendships can develop from those. Yes. I'm in several Facebook groups too, and they're all various forms of um, friends versus resources, you know, versus whatever. But even in the, in the bigger groups I'm in that maybe is, um, a broad topic, then you can see friendships forming people who reply to one another's questions or become, you know, friends just because they have something very specific in common. I even see it happening. Facebook groups are a big one because it's daily and regular that people can check in there. But I also see it happening even on um, Instagram. You know, I posted something on Instagram this week that that got a lot of different comments and I didn't check it until like several hours later. And when I came back, uh, a woman in a comment had, you know, shared sort of a, a hard thing that had happened in her life and other commenters had jumped in and, you know, replied and comforted her even in the comments of someone's Instagram post. And yes. I know that eventually sometimes those people go on and follow one another, um, and then, and then become friends. And it doesn't even matter if they're in the same place or not. And, but they have met by, uh, sharing, sharing something on the internet. Yes. Yeah. I think Instagram is a great example. You are, um, a thousand times better at Instagram than I am, but I do think that's a great example of where hashtags really mean something. And you really can 
find people based on something you're interested in there. Or like you said, even if you're just in a like a bigger community that all follows a particular person or um, or a, a specific magazine or other media production, that Instagram, I feel like, is a great place to connect with a community. People, it seems like that is one platform where people are really open to um, still embracing the idea. It's a very open community, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are still really shy about... Um commenting to another person to the point that then they would become friends. Like, I think it's easy for you and I to talk about this because we live online. We're used to uh, talking about ourselves online. And, you know, to me, online is one big dinner party and you can chat with whoever you want or gracefully walk away from whoever you want. Right. Yes. Very true. But for the average person, I think they – they are very shy about, even if you feel like maybe I had a connection with that person, they're kind of then shy to um, become, like take that next step and sort of become friends through it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. That is something that I take for granted, that you and I definitely have a much higher threshold for comfort in, you know, just talking to a random person who's a commenter. We do. That's what we do. And that's what we've done for years in terms of running our own social media platforms. We like that part of social media. So it's very natural for us to be able to reach out and engage with somebody on these various platforms. But I think that's a fantastic point that that is not the case for everybody. So Okay, so we have been talking about some of the ways that social media, the various platforms have been such a positive influence and made some inf- some incredible changes in our lives and in our own real friendships. However, I don't think we can neglect talking about the fact that sometimes social media has, frankly, a negative effect on friendships. One thing that comes to mind for me is in the occasion, I think that a lot of people can relate to this, not just people who are like us who work online, but anybody who spends time um, in different aspects of social media can relate to this. When you tell something big about your life, a pregnancy announcement or a new job or a new house, make some kind of big announcement online first, and you've neglected to tell people sort of face-to-face or maybe send them a text or an email as a heads up, that sometimes that can really cause some friction in friendships. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I have seen and heard stories and even experienced how Facebook has really hurt friendships, existing friendships. And I don't even hardly know what to say about that because I get it. You know, I mean... all kinds of different ways, you know, people, it's very easy to be passive aggressive on Facebook. Sure. So during an election year or during some kind of like, I don't know, religious scandal or or something, or even any kind of current events thing, people can just leave a link and walk away. And it will be like some offensive, awful thing, um, or at least, you know, from your point of view, it is. And I mean, I, families get in fights about that kind of thing. Yes. Friendships bust up. I mean, I think it does make you not like people sometimes on Facebook. It really does. It's so interesting that you mentioned 
political elections. I have been through two presidential election cycles as an active member of Facebook, 2008-2012. In 2008, I will fully confess that I was obnoxious. I had newly shifted into a new philosophy or a new predilection for for political beliefs, different from what I had had in the past. And I was on fire to tell people about it. I'm sure I was quite annoying. By the time I don't even remember that. Well, thank God, because it might have been another valley in our friendship that we didn't need to have. <laughs> thank goodness you don't remember that. 2012 rolled around. I was so over it. Well, I was over politi- politics and political discussion in general, but I was so over the way discussion was going down online and in the context of Facebook, especially because I don't, I'm not good at Twitter. And so I don't really hang out there. I especially don't talk politics on Twitter. I just, I didn't say anything about it. However, I did use the hide, it was hide back then. I think it's unfollow feature liberally to just choose to not listen to what some of my friends were saying in the context of politics because I wanted to protect the friendship. And I knew that if I was seeing this particular person post article after article from this news source that really drives me crazy, I knew it was going to cause tension in our friendship when I genuinely love this person. But if I saw what she was posting that had to do with politics all the time, I knew that that love was going to eventually turn into some major angst and annoyance. I know, but people think that making their point, this is kind of veering off topic, people think that making their point is more important than keeping their friendship. And they don't think that they have, you know, 500 Facebook friends that if they post this very inflammatory opinion that half of them are going to feel weird next time they see you, which is, you know, not to say that you shouldn't have your opinions or even share them. I I do. But I think that, I mean, we've all seen it. We don't even need to go down this road because we've all seen this happen where, you know, trust is broken or friendships are fractured from some stupid comment thread. And I've even seen, the other thing about Facebook is, and friendship is that it almost in an unfortunate way has you keeping tabs on other people. So Mm -hmm. one time I saw a friend who uh, posted about her baby shower and, you know, had was like a Saturday morning baby shower or something. And, and then another friend posted like, having the laziest day in my robe today, nothing on the agenda. (laughs) And and then the baby shower girl like posted like, you missed my baby shower. (laughs) My gosh, it's so awkward. Like publicly called her out. Publicly called her out. And you don't know if the lazy robe girl like (laughs) meant to miss her friend's baby shower or if she, whatever, it, If she didn't want to attend, then maybe she shouldn't have posted about how lazy she was being. (laughs) With nothing on the agenda. With nothing on the agenda. And, and, you know, it was probably, I'm going to guess, was a misstep on her part. And she would never have meant to, like, hurt the other friend. But, like, that keeps happening where you keep tabs. And and you don't want to keep tabs. Like, if you have a friend who's constantly posting about how broke she is, and then she posts, look at my new very expensive purse, you're, 
you have now kept tabs on someone's finances that you had no business. That is so true. Yes. You know what I mean? So like yes. all these different examples that like get you all twisted up in your head about things that you would probably never know about a friend. Mm-hmm. But now you know, and you can't unknow, and it kind of makes your friendship feel like, uh, I don't know, yeah. when they're the same person same that person. would have been your friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That does make it so, I never thought about that, the whole keeping tabs thing. But we do, we end up finding out, because people share willingly, but we end up knowing so much more about people and their day-to-day choices and beliefs that we that we would not have ever known in the past. Again, sometimes that can be great. Sometimes, like you said, it, it can damage friendships. I've lost a friend, uh, more than one, I'm sure, but one um, that I know that I know of for sure because of my online activity. So I'm not even pointing the finger at everyone else who's doing it wrong and I'm doing it right. <laughs> that is not the truth. Yeah, I had a, a, I've had more than one friend uh, have their feelings hurt that they read something, you know, an announcement, pregnancy announcement, or um, I don't even remember the circumstances, but where they heard something first online instead of hearing it from me. And that was really damaging. I, and I don't even know how to, I mean, you just got to live your life, dude. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the nature of, of friendship in it. And we, to some extent, have to evolve with it because it's going to evolve without us. And so right, as a person, you kind of have to decide how, how much am I willing to allow my feelings to be hurt by what I see on social media. In some cases, I think there does need to, somebody needs to step out and try to repair relationships when, when these things happen. But in other cases, sometimes we just, because we're, there's so much more information available, maybe we need to step up our willingness to let some things go and not get so twisted up over them. That's true. I also want to say that Facebook in particular, but all technology has allowed me to keep, I still have some of my very best friends in the world. In fact, most of my very best friends in the world do not live in Los Angeles. And we are able to keep such a close relationship because of online and texting, less email than it used to be. So in that way, even though I think local in-person friendships are so important, are really truly vital. So, you know, you cannot replace face-to-face contact ever. But being able to, as a person who's home all day, being able to reach out to like you who've known me since I was 14. And uh, I mean, I have lots of friends. I have dozens of friends that have known me for most of my life that are just like a phone away. Yes, yes. And that has been huge. I can't even imagine what stay-at-home moms or work-at-home moms, that cliche of them being lonely and drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My online friends have kept me from being an alcoholic. (laughs) It's what we're saying. It's what we're saying. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But but kind of not. I mean, have kept me from a, a life of loneliness, I guess. is what Well, I yes, I think back, you know, your mom worked and, and we've talked about that before in the show that you um, grew up with a working mom. My mom was a stay at home mom. And I'm thinking like, what did she do? I don't remember. You know, I do remember her being on the phone, like having phone conversations on the phone way more than I do. I don't like to be on the phone. And it's the rare occasion 
that I have a long conversation on the phone because I have all these other venues for conversation with people. So that is so, interesting. Wait, so back then being on the phone was the equivalent of being on your phone now. I think so. I really do. And I'm not, I'm not, my mom had four kids and she wasn't like, she didn't live on the phone, but I very vividly remember her being, and you know, they were corded phones, so she couldn't be all over the house. She was like stationed and like on the phone. Of course, we all took advantage of that and went completely nuts. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure she wanted to find a drink somewhere (laughs) at that point. Um, it's just so different, but but the needs that the things that need to be filled in our lives are not that different from our mother's generation. We just go about it completely differently than they right. had the ability to do. So we've talked about the dynamic that Facebook and other social media platforms can create. You and I have an interesting friendship dynamic in that one of our close friends has chosen very intentionally and very thoughtfully to just take herself off of Facebook. Lots of reasons that we're not going to go into because they're her own reasons and they're very good, solid reasons. But she decided she just didn't want to be on there anymore. And so that brought about a pretty big shift in our group dynamic. It did. You know, I was I was so confused by that at first. It's, she's been off Facebook for several years now. But um, it sort of made me realize in a horrifying way how much we talked about Facebook. Yes. So when she was no longer on Facebook and we couldn't say like, well, did you see this um, person per- posted something crazy? Or even did you see this article that's gone viral? She now isn't privy to like 90% of any of that. Right. And so it made me realize how much we talk about like Facebook was our common ground at that, you know, at this point in our life, we live in different places. We have different career paths, different different lives in so many ways that I didn't realize that we had evolved to Facebook being our commonality. Mm. And when, when she was off of it, um, we had a minute of finding our balance of like, what do we talk about? It was, it was, it wasn't anything like we overtly were like, now we don't know what to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like you said, we just sort of had to find a new equilibrium and, it, in a lot of ways, it, it challenged the friendship, but I think in good ways, because we eliminated the Facebook factor. And she made a great point um, when we all got together last December. I'm going to let you explain it, because I feel like you're better at telling these stories than I am. But she made a great point about uh, um, her experience as an individual who is not on Facebook, and is usually the only one in her friend, in various friend groups who's not on there. She said, um, I've thought about it since, she said that now she has just observed how often at work and at church and at backyard barbecues, how often Facebook is referenced now that she's not on it. And it, like she's just overhearing other people talk. And that it has become to her as if Facebook is its own person, almost like this snarky person mm-hmm. that is also in the room. It has become its own character in the movie. Yes. Um, and that people, because everybody relates to it, but even if you bring up a topic of conversation and you chat about it for a second, someone will say, well, where did you hear that? On Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know that? On Facebook. Um, or, well, I was just saying I posted on Facebook yesterday. You know, every, she was likening it to a not so nice 
person. Yeah. You know, Facebook holds all the gossip and all of the things. And it was almost like if you had that person in the room, you know, the personification of Facebook, it really made an impact on me when she said that now that she's observed how often people talk about it. It made me start to observe it. And in a, I think I knew that before, of course, but like in a way that made me think, oh, this is the downside. Absolutely. Yeah. Ever since she said that, I have thought about that so much. And it made me really sensitive to the fact, even conversations with my own husband, how often we reference, well, you saw what she said on Facebook about that or everything from announcements to political opinions to spiritual beliefs. So much of it, Facebook gets referenced so many times. And when she talked about it being like this this other friend that's like this invisible friend, but it's also the snarky, gossipy friend in any given friend group. It was, I don't know, it was just so profound to me. I had not thought about it until she brought it up in her experience of being off Facebook for so long, just how massive of a role it plays in friendships these days. It does, for better or worse. I mean, I'm, I'm not interested in getting off Facebook because uh, Facebook has meant a lot to me in terms of reconnecting me with people and in the Facebook groups I'm a part of now. I, you know, that's that's a part of my day where I touch base with the world. I don't want to give it up, but it has made me think about Facebook as the mean girl. Yes, and how you shouldn't put your eggs in the mean girl basket. Right, right. So true. Um, in the sort of awesome hangout group on Facebook. <laughs> that has been celebrated and maligned by us today. Uh, The Facebook group actually is a wonderful, safe, happy community that we are building over there. We are having so much fun. And I mentioned that we're going to be talking about friendship this week on the show. And Laura asked if anybody had questions for us to cover. And I I pulled out a few of these that I'm going to read. A lot of these kind of went along all along in the same theme. Becky in the group asked about friendship for introverts. She said, I think a lot of times my challenge is just working up the nerve to talk to people. In a group setting, it's hard to do more than just people watch. What can someone do who maybe doesn't have a very naturally outgoing personality? Anna also asked, like, how do you actually make friends? How do you know if somebody wants to be friends with you? How do you know if you're inviting someone to hang out too much or if you're not inviting them enough? Brianne asked about how do you like set healthy boundaries in friendships? How do you make time for yourself while still in and for your old friendships while developing new ones? Jen talked about something that I struggled with so much too. And she said, I think it's always easy for me to think everyone else's friend card is full. I totally do that. I always just assume everybody already has their friends, maybe from growing up and always being the new girl who always had to find her fit in a new group of friends, I always assume everyone has all the friends they could possibly need. (laughs) Um, So those are some, those are just some examples of the questions, but a lot of the questions were all along those lines, like how do you actually do it? And how do you still work in time for your old friendships? Those are the kinds of questions that came up. And I wanted to share, this is something that I absolutely love about our Facebook community is because 
because so many people are joining the group and so many of you all are incredibly awesome, a lot of times conversations start and they just go in a natural direction of people helping each other out. So Jessica in the group was answering a question about maintaining a friendship with a friend of hers who's single now that she's married and has kids. And I wanted to share her, what her solution was, because I actually think this is a really fantastic solution, no matter what your friendship situation is, no matter what kind of um, friendship questions you have. I really love what Jessica said she has done. She wrote, my best friend is single too. We've sort of known each other since age 12, but reconnected and became friends when we were 25. For the last seven years, we've had a standard Wednesday night date. Either she comes here or I go to her house. Before I had kids, we had always made dinner and watched TV too. Now it's involved to dinner making and kid wrangling evening. I love how much my kids love her and she and my husband get along well. I thought that that was such a great solution from Jessica. Just, I mean, she was talking specifically about maintaining a friendship with someone who's single when your family life has evolved beyond that. But it goes back to, it sort of circles back to book club that you were talking about, that the truth of friendship in adulthood is a lot of times you just have to schedule it. <laughs> like you have to schedule time with your husband or with your boyfriend or schedule time with family members. Friendship cannot live in the realm of spontaneity as easily when you're an adult, or at least in the midst of family and career life. And if all possible, schedule it regularly. Yes. Like like have a standing schedule, I mean. I had a friend, you know, I, sh- I should have mentioned this. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I had an older couple uh, that, I mean, they weren't older than they were in their same age as I am now, but they were older than me, who had a standing Sunday waffles. So oh, yeah. their house was open on Sundays. Anybody could come or go. Sometimes it would be five people. Sometimes it would be 25 people. They made waffles, which is cheap and easy to make on a you know, waffle maker. You came in, you had waffles, you could stay. Like their house basically from 10 to 12 on Sundays was waffle Sundays. And I would run in. And so that was just a regular thing. I think they initially started it for their own selfish reasons. They had a new baby and they just wanted to see friends and couldn't do like dinner dates anymore or whatever. So they were like, come on by on Sunday morning. And it became this thing, which sounds a lot like what Jessica was mentioning, just a regular standing weekly date, casual, no frills. Yes. I love that. And you know, to circle back to what I was saying too, that friend group that took me in, in San Marcos, when I was new in town and didn't know a soul, what they did was we had what we called Friday morning prayer coffee. Now, it originally had started with a small group of friends who got together and, you know, under the context sort of of sharing prayer requests and drinking coffee and eating donuts, it eventually evolved into being something much bigger than prayer requests and coffee, but we still called it prayer coffee. And it was every Friday morning, whoever could go that week. Some weeks you could go, some weeks you had a sick kid, some weeks you were out of town, whatever. There was enough women in that group that there was always a group meeting every Friday morning. And like you said, it was a standing thing. And when I first had Daisy and I was trying to acclimate to being a mom and I didn't know what I was doing and I barely had time to work on my marriage, let alone develop new friendships because we were still quite new in town at that time. It was such a relief and so helpful to know that no matter what other wackiness was going on in our week, Friday morning, 
I could go to prayer, to prayer coffee. Someone would hold my baby so I could drink a cup of coffee. And I would be in a safe and welcoming place. It was huge for me. And I think that you're so right that having that standing date, especially if you're trying to meet new people, trying to get something off the ground, make it predictable and make it something that people can look forward to. Or, you know, if somebody invites you to something like that, take a step out and just try it and see. It may be exactly what you're looking for. It may help you click with people that you would have never even met before. But you That's just gotta, what I was going to say. You, you have take to the go. Step. Yes. Yes. That's the thing that people get tripped up about. I mean, the two things are you have to go uh, or you have to seek it out yourself. There's groups, even in the smallest of towns, there's going to be some kind of exercise group or, you know community group or, you know, there's, there are groups in every single community, no matter where you live, seek out a group and then go to it with regularity. I think if it's something you're interested in, you can't just go one time and be like, eh, not yes. for me. That is such a good point. You have to be willing to, to give it a chance. And chances are, unless, unless there's some kind of extenuating circumstance where it's like genuinely not a healthy group. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, you will get out of it what you put into it. And you've got to be able to give it a try, like you said, more than one time. And if you, um, if there isn't a group that you're interested in or you have something specific in mind or people specific in mind, then even as an introvert, you have to be, you just have to start it yourself. Yes. Like you just have to say, I'm going to put together this group, th- this book club, this wine night, this whatever, and it's going to be the first Friday of every month and start it yourself. Don't get all wrapped up in who's going to come and who isn't. Yes. Um, you either have to, you either have to seek out and go to a group or you have to start it yourself. Friendship is not going to come to you as an adult. So true. I feel like we could just basically, that could have been our whole episode right there. (laughs) (laughs) It took us a long time to get to that. It took us over an hour, but that's what we're saying. Friendship does not just happen when you're a kid. It does happen because you're sitting next to somebody for hours each day when you're in elementary or you see somebody every single day passing them in the halls or you're in show choir together like Laura and I were. It doesn't happen that way when you're a grown up. And that's hard and it sucks, but you have to adjust and accept the reality that you have to make it happen as much as it's up to you as an adult. And I have um, I have one more idea that I thought of while you were talking when my kids were little, I took them to like mommy and me music class. And so I'm totally stealing this idea that I'm about to tell you, but I I stole it and did it from her. So I'm sharing it. Um, One of the moms there had mommy cards. Okay. I know that's annoying. Listen, I know. I love it. But she had these little, you know, because she didn't work or if she did, that's not how she was choosing to connect in this setting. So they were like business cards. They were really cute. I ended up getting my own self-printed some from, um, I think I went with Tiny Prince. I'm not exactly sure, but Tiny Prince has them. I can can show you where. These little cards, and they just say like, hello, and they have your name and your email if you don't want to give out your phone number or whatever. So that if you meet a woman that you has obviously has a child the exact same age as yours or looks like maybe she would be friendly or lives in your same neighborhood or for whatever reason you think, you know, we should meet at the park one day or something, whatever, then you can get me card. I always think it's kind of awkward to do the whole like, put your name in my phone exchange. Right, yes. That's awkward to me because later I'm going to look up in my phone and be like, who the heck is Lisa? (laughs) 
Right. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't even know who Lisa is. But when you do the um, the mommy card exchange, or even just say, "Here's you know, here's my card with my email. I'd love to hear from you." Yes. Um, I, that like is a culturally accepted thing. It's so similar to exchanging business cards, and puts nobody on the spot in any way. And you've made the initiative. Um, so I even now I carry in my I I carry some writer cards that I have for work stuff. And I also carry little mommy cards that just have my name and my email. And I think this girl's cards, I mean, this is really going mommy. So it just depends on your, um, you know, how you are. But I think this woman's card like had her kids' names on it and like their ages or something. I mean, they were like true mommy cards. Yeah. A lot of times when you are a mom and you meet, you're at these kid-related activities, you kind of know somebody as like, oh, that's Peyton's mom, you know? So if you have the kids' names on the card, it jogs your memory um, of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember that's who that was. So that is so good. Another piece of advice that I loved from another person in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group is from Alyssa. And she was sharing some friendship advice that she got from a childhood friend of hers. And the advice is that instead of trying to make friends and agonize about whether I was good enough friends with someone, I just decided to treat the girls that I met like they were already old friends. She said, sometimes we get intimidated about inviting new friends to do things. Instead, treat your new friends like old friends. Ask them to stay for burgers on Friday night. Go have a glass of wine after the PTA meeting. Nobody is ever upset to be invited. I thought that was so true. I have been the one who was dying for somebody to invite me to something. And sometimes you just need to be the person who's willing to take that step and say, hey, do you want to go do this? They might say no, and that's fine. But you haven't lost anything if you just take a chance and invite somebody. Which I think, and I think for new friendships, uh, casual is like lowers the expectations bar so much. Like you don't have to ask someone to go to dinner with you one-on-one. Right. Um, I mean, you can do that if, if you want to. But I think that casual or if they come over in your house doesn't look perfect like she's saying, like, just acting like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep the expectations where they would be if it was an old friend and not make such a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the other questions were about how to go deeper in friendship as an adult. And I, gosh, I mean, I think that is... Well, you know me. I put everything in the context of personality. So (laughs) for me, that's the first place I want to go. If you and I sit down to have coffee and we've never met before, I'm going to ask you your life story. I'm going to ask you how you met your spouse. If you're married, I'm going to ask you where you went to college and if you had fun. I mean, we're going to go deep immediately because that's how I operate. Me too. I, I know not everybody is like that. And so I think another thing too that can be so good is to seek out these ways to have some more one-on-one conversation. Like you said, doesn't necessarily have to be something like, let's go out for dinner and talk for hours, but it could be something simple like, do you want to stop by for coffee or do you want to meet at this coffee shop and let's, you know, touch base for a little bit. I mean, you have to figure out for yourself Um, And also the person that you're talking to, I do run into that because I really do love to go deep in conversation. Not everybody does. (laughs) And so sometimes in life, you have to sort of like judge your audience and be like, okay, this person is shifting in her seat and like staring at the table. (laughs) But would you, would you, could, 
could you be good friends with someone who didn't want to go deep? Like for me, if I felt like they never wanted to go deep, I would be like, we're not going to be good friends. Yeah. I mean, I think that I would, yeah, I would probably make that judgment pretty early, not necessarily in a bad way, just like we may not be a good friendship fit. And that's another thing too, to think about that relates back to the dating idea that not everybody is wants to be your good friend and wants to go deeper in conversation. But if you do like to go deeper into conversation, like we've been saying, find a way to make it happen. Set a scene where that is going to be something that's possible to dig in and do. What about the people, because I I have thoughts. What about several people ask, like, how do you know if you've asked if you, oh, yeah. too often, if you've over-invited or under-invited or like, what's your rule on that? I'm, I usually under-invite. <laughs> Unfortunately. Really? I'm, I'm an over-inviter. I know. I think it's because I, I will think, oh my gosh, I should totally ask her to do this or to stop by. And then I flake out and forget. So I tend to be an under-inviter. Do you you flake out and forget or you get nervous and don't do oh, it? Oh, no, no, no. It's never because I'm nervous. No. It's because I flake out and forget. I'm an over-inviter only because I am the person who's always putting together the thing. Yes, like, you are. You're the hostess. That's my, yeah. I'm the hostess. I like to do that because I'm a control freak. I like to just control the situation. <laughs> um, also because I learned I would have no friends if I didn't right, right. do yes. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I don't have like hard and fast rules on this, but I recently realized that I have uh, two different people in my life who were, were newish friends. She could not be lovelier. Uh, she's busy like we all are, but I noticed after a time that I invited her to do this, that, and the other thing, and she was always in, gave an enthusiastic no, meaning she could never do it, but she was always, you know, so effusive in her declining yes. that ne- I never felt nervous for a second about it, inviting her to the next thing because she was so friendly. It occurred to me <laughs> after like a lot of times of declining on her end, (laughs) that um, as enthusiastic as she was, she never extended an invitation my way. Ah. So she was never like, oh gosh, I can't do it on Friday. What about next Friday? Or, you know, what if, could we do Sunday instead? Yes. Or whatever. She never, ever offered an alternative or invited me to something else entirely. Yes. So I had to realize she's obviously... Maybe she's a people pleaser, and that's why she is so um, cheerful with me. But girlfriend has said no like 10 times. <laughs> and she's so, just not that into you. <laughs> she's just not that into me. So um, I had to just accept that. And it didn't – I mean, we're, it didn't hurt my feelings. We're not that good of friends. But I had to be like, oh, I had to like light bulb about it. <laughs> So I guess just pay attention to the cues. I, I yes. would I would say over inviting for a short period of time is fine. Yes. Yes. Like I think that's better if you're if you're really actively trying to make friends to invite to several things and then but I mean if you keep getting no's or whatever I mean you just have to watch for the cues. But over inviting yeah. in in a time when you're trying to make friends is gonna I'd err on that side. I think so too. I do too. Um, way, way better than what I do, which is to just, you know, like completely space out and forget. But I, I do. And I think that, you know, most, most adults 
can kind of get the feel for the situation, especially if the person is not an enthusiastic decliner, if they're more of a cold and distant <laughs> decliner. <laughs> Maybe move on. Not worth your time. <laughs> okay, well, we thought it would be so fun to end on a note about talking about friendship in pop culture. This is where I would really love to hear from you all after the show. But I thought it would be so fun to talk about some of the friendships from pop culture, whether they're books or movies or TV shows, friendships that we want to emulate that stand out to us as being great, classic examples of friendship. So we asked in the Facebook group, several people mentioned Anne and Diana from the Anne of Green Gables series, that that is a classic friendship to look to and emulate and admire. Um, Stephanie from the group said she's always fondly admired J.D. and Turk from Scrubs, which I was like, yes, I want to Such a like good this. example. Yes, I love their friendship. So fun. Such a good one. So funny. That's probably one of my top ones. Now, I am not a Grey's Anatomy person. Are you? Are you I Grey's used Anatomy? to be, and okay. then I, I quit abruptly on purpose. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I watched the first season, and I was like, this is not... This is not my show. <laughs> but several people in the group said Meredith and Christina from Grace. So apparently that's a long running friendship. Um, our friend Sarah Bessie gave a real life example of Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, who have fantastic friendship chemistry, play off each other so well and seem to be so genuinely enthusiastic about each other's success. And, you know, even in in comedic situations, you can tell really work to set the other one up for success and just obviously are having a great time doing it. Another one that I, I feel like I should know this show, and I may even mispronounce this, is it Lorelai or Lorelei? And so Lorelai from Gilmore Girls? I guess. Or, oh my word, you've never watched Gilmore never. Girls? Never. I'm so bad. I'm bad at this. It's Lorelai. And Suki? Mm-hmm. That's her friend. Mm -hmm. Okay. Suki to me is Suki Stackhouse from True Blood. So <laughs> when I read this, I was so like, different. I don't so, know what's happening so right different. now. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Gilmore Girls. That was mentioned quite a lot. Um, and then Leslie and Anne from Parks and Rec. I thought that was, again, speaking of Amy Poehler, I thought that their characters, oh my goodness, so just like the girlfriend that you want to have that, again, is just so openly... Uh, adoring of you and so supportive and totally gets you in all of your goofiest, silliest quirks. Um, I think that that they did a fantastic job of writing that friendship on Parks and Rec. So those are some of the ones Wait, from the group. Nobody said Sex in the City. Oh, I think one person did say Sex in the City. Yes. And I did not get that written down for the show. That, that, is that was yours, right? Mine. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sex in the City, which has elements of Everything we've talked about, they met regularly for brunch on the weekend. That That's was their right. yes. that was their touch base. Mm -hmm. Really different in personality. Yes, yeah. Weathered supportive of, mm -hmm. and weathered lots of relationship ups and downs together, and navigated friction in their own friendships sometimes. Truth. Yeah, that's a great example too. So, yes, we would love to hear from you. If you're in the Facebook group, pop in there and tell us one of your um, 
favorite friendships from pop culture or find us on Twitter to talk about that. In fact, speaking of Twitter, Laura, why don't you remind everybody where we can find you all around the web? I am at HollywoodHousewife.com and at Twitter and Instagram, Hollywood H Wife, and on Facebook, The Hollywood Housewife. So find Laura, find me. Let's continue this conversation about friendship. This was a supersize edition of Sorta Awesome. But as we began to talk about and plan for this show, we realized there was just no way that we could cut out any part of this conversation because it's all so relevant to trying to figure out how do we navigate this as grownups? How do we do friendship and how do we do them well? So Laura... One of my dearest friends for so long has seen me through some ups and downs in life, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me this week to talk about all of this. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, and a happy early birthday to you. And we'll talk later. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode of Sorta Awesome are available at Sorta Awesome Megan. .tumblr.com. While you're there, click on the Ask Us link to submit your questions for an upcoming episode. If you are enjoying the show, it would be so totally awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Don't forget, if you want to discuss today's episode, you can find me on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Meg, or join our community on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to pragermusic.com. And I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life Sorta Amazingly Awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.